Hey gang, thank you for listening to the special bonus episode of The Hustle. Today, we get to hear from Lawrence Gowan, lead singer of rock legends Styx. Now, Styx made some noise recently. They announced that they're going on a sort of a mini tour of Middle America with Larry the Cable Guy opening up for them. What a unique pairing. And you could almost wonder if there's like a political statement or political stance being made with that. Uh, Maybe not. Maybe I'm overthinking it. But I wanted to talk to Larry about it. And of course, as expected, he is totally gentlemanly about this. It is meant to just be a night of laughs and smiles and great rock and roll, which I'm sure it is. We could all use that these days. So that kicks off on March 21st in Fargo, North Dakota. In addition, Styx in 2017 released what I think is their best album since their peak period in the 70s called The Mission. If you are a Styx fan, this is exactly the kind of album you want from this band. In fact, this is probably my favorite song from this album. It's called 100 Million Miles From Home. It is so good. Now, also, back in the day, like the 80s especially, Larry, or back then he was just known as Gowan, was a very successful solo artist in Canada before being plucked by Styx to front the band. And I was hoping to get into some of that. Here's the deal. Uh, he only had about a half hour to talk. And I was hoping... This, this, inter- this conversation took place just after Christmas. And I was hoping that in between then and now, when the tour kicked off, we could find some time for another 30 minutes to dive deeper in his solo career. And I was finally told just the other day that it wasn't going to happen. I'm really bummed out about it. So we touch on all these things, but we don't go quite as deep as I would have liked. And I have to give a special shout out to one of our listeners, Amber Dawn. There's a whole story about this that I will tell you in the... uh, the next recap episode, Amber had requested Larry a while ago, and I was so excited to go deep on his solo career. Unfortunately, it didn't quite work out, but check out the mission, check out his solo stuff, go see the band on this tour if you're if you're available, you'll have fun, okay? He called me from his home, I think he was in Toronto, I think, I don't remember. For starters, I gotta tell you, it was really interesting. I saw the press releases come around about uh, you guys partnering with Larry before this interview even was, you know, an idea. So how, (laughs) what a strange concept. And yet, in this day and age, I'm guessing the thinking is we all need to laugh. And so let's get some good music and some good humor together and have a fun night. What was the thinking behind this odd pairing that somehow also makes a little bit of sense? I, I think the first thinking behind it, if there was any thinking at all. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, we met Larry about, I'm going to say maybe 10 years ago, roughly that, just uh, in the most appropriate of places, which was a truck stop on the road. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I can't remember if we were in Arkansas or we were in Louisiana or where it was, but he came up, we kind of, you know, at that time he was, you know, really, really hot, and he came up, and and, and he was obviously such a such a sticks uh, uh, lover. <laughs> that yeah. He, you know, we got into chatting with him, and uh, the guy was funny as hell. And, and you know, the notion of like, hey, well, you know, why don't they ever do comedy and rock together? Why is it they seem to be exclusive? Uh, and we've seen a few instances of where they they've it's paired up, and it's always gone well. So. Um, you know, I, as, far, as far back as that, we kind of thought of thought the, the notion of, of trying something like that might be uh, might be interesting. And so 
finally 2019. You know, I think we're doing it. Yeah. The, the, the run of shows are in March, I believe. Yeah, late March. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're 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 doing them with Larry, and and we're really looking forward to it because there's such a diverse way of 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 putting shows on now that uh, audiences are, are far more open uh, to. Uh, you know, to in- interesting combinations of, of musical acts, but also, you know, look, eventually, I hope I hope that we're touring with, a, you know, a Cirque du Soleil act opening. Oh, right yeah. Well. You know what I mean? Interesting, so, yeah. yeah. These unusual these mm-hmm. unusual things, I think, are, are a great pairing. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I just think that, uh, you know, people derive so much in enjoyment and pleasure from a, from a live rock concert, from a, especially from a family sticks that they look forward to these events and getting getting out from behind their laptop computers yeah. for a while and enjoying yeah. the real world so we want to do that in any way we can in this current day and age there i mean it, it, the need to laugh especially with po- politics being what they are is very necessary i think today yeah. Yeah. um yeah i'm not saying one thing is good or bad or anything but larry tends to be you know have a re- very republican <laughs> audience and fan base is okay. aligning yourself with him is are you uh was there any, ever any concerns about you know perceptions or what that might look like i'm not saying there's anything wrong with a republican fan base yeah. i'm just saying a yeah. lot of the tension we feel today is based on our president unfortunately and he happens to be an, an, a republican so <laughs> okay well i'm a canadian so i, I yeah i know I, you don't I, I, <laughs> I use that I use that as my out card, my get out of jail <laughs> card <one. laughs> when when it comes to discussing anything political because yeah. people have very uh, I've I've noticed that in America yes there are very polarized views on that front but the most important thing is you know when we go when we go out on tour for for sticks is is to entertain people you know mm-hmm. we're we're really trying to use music as a way to make people. First of all, engage with music flat out. That, there's that. Sure. Second of all, there's the fact that 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 you know rock music was the great musical statement of the last half of the 20th century, and there's nothing as entertaining as a live rock concert that I've ever yeah. uh, encountered. Yeah. The other thing is, you know, when it comes to any act, is are they entertaining or not? And Larry's just funny. And, and I mean, yeah. you know, you could if you were of that political persuasion, I suppose, I suppose you you could hear him as championing your cause. And if you were against it, you could hear the irony, perhaps, of it, and, and think, "Wow, how how completely opposite this is to my own way of, of of viewing the world." So I don't think any of that, quite honestly, John, when it went into the uh, the planning of it, uh, to go beyond to go beyond the mere is this entertaining or not really really is the um, is 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 the main test. The other thing is, Good. you know, I guess, and this is a very broad statement, but. Uh, I would say that, that the more people interact with each other, the more likely it is that they'll begin to see the other's point of view and and begin to um, to if not accept it, at least understand it a little bit a little bit further. And I don't think it's I don't think it's all that wrong to ridicule in some ways the others if, if it's funny. Mm-hmm. But you got to sure. I think we're just we're just so overly sensitive to things yeah. right now that um, that it, it 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 would be perhaps. And again, I'm making this sound like it's too much, but any opportunity for people to kind of be together, laugh, clap, sing yeah. a song along with each other, is good. You know, we've just gone through the, the uh, you know the Christmas season, etc. You know, you you learn that whether you're religious or not, or whatever whatever mm-hmm. you happen to believe in, there's something good about the spirit 
yeah. that's generated there and can bring out the best in people. And that's really what happens at a concert. And yeah. so that's my that's my extremely broad stroke answer to that very, <laughs> very <laughs> difficult and and potentially um, you know right. question. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. Well, I uh, I I mean I'm I'm not trying to be difficult. I just you wonder no, if unfortunately if there was you know if there's a message or something being said like oh, this is who we no, are. But it I'm, sounds like no, you just want to schedule a good time. These these things go through our minds as well, believe me. When it comes down to the ultimate decision, it really is, are people going to enjoy this night or are they not? And, yeah, you know, good. It, what I've seen of Larry's humor is, like, as I say, whichever whichever side of that sense you choose to be on, or yeah. neither, um, I think you're going to find something to laugh about. And then when sticks come on stage, you're going to find an epic adventure of rock that you're going to definitely throw yourself into wholeheartedly. Yeah, agreed. It probably helps, too, that these... These dates are in the middle of the country, where people would probably. I mean, I'm guessing those crowds would really love to see the both of you on the same bill. I mean, it's the perfect target audience for you guys I, on that I bill. You know, these, these ultimately these are things that are put together by the promoters who, who you know, are trying to figure out is this is this going to work? And so yeah. if they, you know, and. We're looking forward to it. We just we Good. just know it's going to be fun. And, and yeah. if, it, if, it ends up, if it ends up drawing some sort of controversy or something like that, well, that's good. It gives people something to talk about as well. Sure. <laughs> good point. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of the music and something to talk about, I, um, yeah. you guys nailed it with the mission in 2017, your most recent album. I think it's the first album of, of new sticks material since 2003, Cyclorama, right? Yeah. And I have to admit, I had Cyclorama when it came out, and it was it was okay, but it wasn't that great. And the mission is amazing, and it's a total return to form. Any sticks fan at any point of the of the entire band's career, this sounds exactly like what you want from this band. Why did you guys go into this album thinking we got to go back? To our roots, what is this? Just these are the songs we're feeling right now. How did this even happen? Well, first of all, John, thank you for those those good words about the record. That's you know you can quote yourself on that as much as you want. Thank you. Um, <laughs> good. The time between the two records, between Psychorama 2003, as you mentioned, and the mission in 2017, that was you know where where, is, where it made on the surface look like the time that was. Uh, Heard it away with playing, you know, over 100 shows a year around the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
but actually, it's, time is always well spent in that you 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 learn, you observe, you um, you reassess, and we as a band, you know, I would say roughly ten years ago, as far back as say 2009, 2010, maybe around there, we began to notice that. You couldn't help but notice that younger and younger people were coming to, uh, to see sticks and to see mm. classic rock bands, and and there was this this enthusiasm from that portion of the audience that really, I guess, was never anticipated. You know, we never, we I, I think we underestimated the the true long ranging impact of of what classic rock could accomplish. Well, with that, I think over the over. The next few years, as that as that observation began to kind of you know settle into our heads, the the realization that if we ever make another studio record, let's try to make it as true to the spirit and and technically in the manner that the records were made in the 1970s when the classic rock era was at its peak. So we began to to as we as the writing began to evolve uh, and eventually turn into the mission. Um, the idea of doing a concept record instead of that being a deterrent, it became the central theme. It became like, let's do a, a grand statement, a large, overwhelming, you know, if people want to call it pompous, whatever they want to call it is fine, as long mm-hmm. as it is in, in, is in tandem or, or true to the to the spirit of, uh, you know, let's say the, big, the biggest, the four biggest six records, Grand Illusion, uh, Pieces of Eight, Cornerstone, and uh, Paradise Theater. Those are the biggest yeah. records and the ones that, that people really uh, love about the band, and, and make comprises most of the most of the uh, the shows that we do. Mm-hmm. So as as we got deeper into making the record, we we uh, I, and, and this is totally down to Tommy Shaw. He chose a guy to produce it named Willie Bankovich, who he worked with in Child Waits. And Will had an innate understanding of what it was we were after. He just completely he got it. You know, we didn't have to convince him in any way. Yeah. He he wanted to go back to using. I'll use some technical terms here, and hopefully people understand. He wanted to go to go back to recording on Studer uh, tape machines, two-inch tape machines, you know, which are right. monthly old and need they need all kinds of uh, TLC, so to speak. Right, <laughs> right. To keep, to keep them running properly. And with that in mind, we also said, okay, right, let's let's proceed as if digital technology does not exist because it didn't in the 70s or it yeah. existed, it wasn't, it wasn't accessible let's put it that way um, and record everything analog and think like an analog band again, which is, by the way it's exactly what happens when we walk on stage every night, we walk yeah. on stage and we, it's just the five of us that conducted, uh, had a chance to join us for a couple of songs and and we, we make it happen between the, the, the interaction between the personalities that are on that stage. Well, let's make the record that way. Let's have all of us in the studio together. You know, one or two of us will get bored out of our minds during certain sections, but even in those times when you're, you know, waiting for someone to do a guitar overdub, et cetera, things, things are, are, are coming up all the time in the studio, and the ideas are instantaneously there. You don't have to send emails to yeah. each other to explain <laughs> yourself. So it's amazing how, how, how accustomed we've become come to that manner of, of, uh, of communicating. And it's, it's yeah. wonderful. And you and I are doing a show right now that wouldn't probably would have to be on, wouldn't be podcast in the, in the past. So that would right. exist. So it's, it's, a great, it's 
a great thing, but there are certain applications of it where it doesn't truly apply. And making a classic sounding rock album is one of those instances. I'm yeah, to, yeah, I can imagine. That we, we, we discovered that. So everything about, about making the mission came down to that. It came down to the personal interaction of the band and the and the um, the concerted effort and, and the the mindful approach of making it as if it was you know 1979. It was like yeah. it, it was it was generally like when you go into the start of a movie. Would you mind turning off your cell phones, please? Right. <laughs> Kind of, that's yeah. kind of where that's kind of where it began, and we made the I record. That. That Let's take a step back in time together. Sure. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I like that. That's it. And, and in okay. a way, in a way, that was almost like a that was that, for the band. I think recording wise was a step forward. So sometimes yeah. I go back to go go forward. It makes perfect sense. Now I know in some on some shows, uh, you're playing the album in its entirety. Is that the plan for these Larry the Cable Guy shows as well? Not for those shows. We're doing. Okay. We are doing. Uh, in, we are doing the entirety uh, of the mission in Las Vegas uh, as a, at the Palms as our first kind of um, response to the, to the fan reaction to the album, which has been, mm. you know, for, for over a year now. It's been it's been an endless, uh, you know, litany of, of, of people saying, "Are you ever going to play the record in its entirety?" No, and really, they want that. that. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, Good. The, that's why we haven't. That's why we haven't done it until now. We haven't done okay. it until now until we felt that the that the demand was there. And since the mission, you know, it survived for over a year, it's still on the top 100 uh, Billboard Classic Rock chart. The only classic rock uh, band that's put out new music that survives on the chart for over a year is, is good for you guys. Album with the mission. So that tells us that okay, this record is really finding uh, finding a true audience. You know. Yeah. And the debate, you know, we look at, so now we'll jump back into the digital world. In the um, the online debate that you hear as to, you know, where the mission sits in people's top, you know, top ten or often top mm-hmm. five sticks albums, you know, as it begins to surface there over and over, uh, it, it just, it, it reinforces our confidence that we can, that we can play this record in its entirety and then maybe play Grand Illusion in its entirety, you know? Good. Side, side by side with the they the, fit. The, with the time-honored classics of six. So you're right. That's why we're doing. That's why we're doing that. Very cool. I love that idea. And you're right. It is just as good, and is also of a part as those classic Imperial period six albums. It 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 isn't. Uh, it's not an outlier. They fit very nicely together because they're, they're all so good. And that's, um, I'm, that's kind of what we, we would do that in the studio. We'd put on, say, piece, uh, something from Pieces of Eight and then put on something from the Mission and see if, is this a jarring departure? Yeah. Or is it, does it seem like something that's really in, in yeah, you know, where one really complements the other? And when we felt that way, it put big smiles on our faces and our confidence in the record just uh, went Good, on. good. I want to talk about you for a minute. Um, you know, you've been with the band for about 20 years now. And yeah. your solo material, you know, I, I've been listening to it a lot lately to get ready to talk to you, and yeah. I love it, and it's also really quirky. It's different, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit progressive. It's a little avant-garde. It's just not your straightforward pop or synth pop or new wave music. How did, mm. how did, what, did what do you think Sticks saw in you that made you the right fit to come with them? 
You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a, that's an excellent question. I think that you know I, I had never seen Sticks live until we were doing a show together in Montreal. Uh, the, what was in that year, 1997, was the New Montreal Forum. But um, you know, I, I had you know for people in the United States who, who aren't aware of it, prior to me joining Sticks, I had uh, four platinum albums in Canada, three gold mm-hmm. records, a gold single, and that gold single recently just went platinum again. And oh, nice. I, so, I have a lot of people there that, you know, a lot of people in Canada extremely familiar with my um, uh, solo work prior to Sticks. And so it's a completely different conversation when I'm speaking to someone in America about, you know, mm-hmm. where I came into the picture with this uh, legendary band. And when I'm speaking to people in Canada who, it's, uh, many of whom found it odd that I would abandon a solo career to, to join to join, <laughs> um, to join Sticks. Right. But, I mean, it's it's funny how the conversation completely shifts. But um, I think that on the night that we played together, two things happened. One was, you know, they, they got to see me. And on that tour, I was, funny enough, without a band. I was alone on stage, just me on piano. Mm-hmm. And in front of, I guess, about 16,000, 17,000 people all singing these songs with, with which they were not familiar. But mm-hmm. they, they saw that. and um, And then I saw them play. And the conversation that we had afterwards was really, it was a really prescient conversation in that, uh, you know, I said, first of all, I'd never seen Sticks Live. I said, I loved your show, just loved it. And, and I, I, I saw the power of it. And this is, you know, in the 1997. And uh, I didn't, I, of course, I didn't say this to any of the members of the band, but two of my closest, you know, people that were with me, I said, it's, it's funny because I could... There's a lot I could see fitting into this band. I can mm-hmm. see myself fitting into this band, which really? is a very odd, very odd statement. Yeah, very, very <laughs> odd. I've, I've talked about this before. But I did say it, and Tommy Shaw, funny enough, said to me, I didn't say that to Tommy, I said that to, uh, to, to a couple of my friends who were with me. And I said, to, but Tommy said to me, man, I think we're going to work together again in the future because this worked out so well. Now, his, his intention when he said that was uh, based on just, just simply, uh, what a, what a good opener, I guess I was for the band. <laughs> right. In that, in that musically, there was a simpatico thing there, as you say. And I've heard the word quirky before, you know, when it comes to describing my own music. And funny enough, I've heard it when I've heard six music described in some people. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you're of, right. One the, yeah. One of the well, one of the adjectives that, that that will sometimes pop up is that quirky is is a is a is a, is a strange word in that it it can sometimes imply oddness but sometimes it also implies um the, the unexpected kind of the, that's a, that's a better way of saying it yes that's it and so you know in my own solo music uh, on the one hand you might hear me playing a very kind of pseudo dramatic very 80s tinged uh song that, that's in pop format so it might right. only be a three and a half four minute song but it includes progressive rock elements in there that yeah. somehow made it okay so it, and it's because of that that I was able to work with, like, uh, you know, in my solo days, I worked with, uh, on one song, John Anderson.
the album with my desires and Alex Lifeson from Rush is on an entire album, Lost Brother. Yep. He did the video video for that song. On their street, on their strip. No one's ever free from their grip. You were weak. They were strong. And I'm a security place to belong. Every now and then you hear a sound and scream. Not exactly something. backing band of Tony Levin and Jerry Murata. They were part of the making of those solo records of mine. Yeah, so you see, there's, there was a deep kind of musical uh, background that that, uh, that really was moving in step with, with yeah. what Sticks were doing. Yeah. So I think that all of those factors culminated finally in 1999 when they needed a piano player and singer. I was one of the guys they gave a call to. And, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, boy, I wish we had more time. I have so many questions. But where I'm curious now, me being American, I was not that familiar with your soul. You really have to dig if you're in America yeah. to, to yeah. you know, learn a lot about Gowan and, and your solo yeah. material. So I didn't know about it. It wasn't being played on the radio. If, if no. Six hadn't come along, were you in a good enough shape, at least in terms of success in Canada, that you would have just continued on pretty successfully as a solo artist? Or was this a, you know, was your, I don't even know, is this a sort of thing where your time had passed like a lot of other 80s bands, unfortunately, and, you know, it eventually goes to the nostalgia circuit? Where would you have been? Yeah, well, hard to say. Either I would have been um, maybe working at Starbucks or still playing music. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 what I'm saying, what, what I mean by that is I'm underqualified to do anything else by that. No, quite honestly, yeah. John, I... I was playing, the year that I joined Sticks, I was playing 140 shows a year between Canada wow. and, and in the UK. There, there, was, there was enough of an audience in Britain. It just, it was, I had a small following in Britain where I was able to open tours for, like I did one with the Stranglers. Uh, I had a piece of music called Healing Waters that was actually performed by the London Symphony at the opening of Princess Diana's uh, Memorial in 1998. Wow. And um, so I was on that. So I had... I had a, Enough, enough of a following between there, but particularly in Canada, that I, I just go back and forth across the country, sometimes playing with my band, rock band, or sometimes solo, sometimes with the symphony orchestra. <laughs> you see, I have yeah. a lot of different ways of keeping myself very busy. So it's funny, when I, the year that I joined Sticks, I, I, as I mentioned, I we counted because I played 140 shows as a solo artist, and that was a, a pretty standard um, clip for me to be on. And KY and Tommy said to me, "Listen, we do, we got to tell you, we're we're about to embark on the, the heaviest touring schedule we've ever done. Our goal is 
to try to play a hundred shows a year. <laughs> and I kind of burst out laughing. I went, I said, well, this is going to be like a holiday. <laughs> they, oh, I'm an old pro at that. No problem at they all. Were, they were more like on their heaviest touring years. He said, you know, we, they'd play anywhere from 50 to maybe maybe 70 or 80 shows, yeah. but they'd never done 100 in a year, to their recollection, anyway. And oh, so this was, the, this was the big deal. So, and I can tell you, you know, if, if you've toured across Canada, I know you mentioned you're in Denver, with the, with the, uh, the way the, uh, the, the, uh, the natural weather conditions that, that yeah. you're up against, if you, if you can tour from one side of Canada to the other <laughs> and still, yeah. and still come, come out of it wanting to do more, then you're, you're pretty much prepared for any other I, nation on earth. I can imagine. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. Well, look, we're out of time. Uh, Larry, do I can I, I I know your CD tells us we can call you Larry. Is that okay? Yes. <laughs> okay. You know, it's funny. We didn't get into that, but you know, in the eighties, I'll just just leave you this. In the eighties, uh, I was a one name guy in Canada. I, I was a one name guy, Gowan, because in the eighties, yep. you know, you just you, you just need one name. You know, Madonna, Prince. You know, sure. all just one name people. And in the nineties, when I kind of transitioned into a more uh, singer-songwriter approach and left some of the progressive rock elements behind and just went to a more singer-songwriter and played a lot of acoustic guitar. I, I, we did an album where I said, you know, it's Lawrence Gowan, but you can call me Larry. So it was just a joke title to kind of put a to put a, a, a pin in the balloon of the one-name guy doesn't necessarily have to apply in the 1990s. Right. And, uh, so yes, 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 you may call me Larry. Okay, good. I'm glad. Your, your album said I could, so I thought I could. Anyway, thanks for doing this, Larry. Um, I appreciate it so much. There you have it, Lawrence Gowan. Or, as I like to call him, just straight up Larry. You know, he and I are buddies. Larry Gowan. Uh, Anyway, thank you, Larry, for doing that with me. And I hope you guys will check out The Mission. If you are a Styx fan and you aren't aware of this album, it is so worth your time. It's great. In fact, even if you're not a Styx fan, this is a great album that shows you what these guys are all about, especially in the post-Dennis DeYoung era. And if you're able to do it, go check out this show. Tell me how it goes. I live in Denver. They're coming to Cheyenne, Wyoming. I'm thinking maybe I might have to go up there and see it for myself. Could be really interesting. I wanted to close it out with probably my favorite Gowan solo song. This is called Cosmetics. I like this song a lot. And I want to say thank you and also I'm sorry to Amber Dawn. Amber and I were going back and forth for weeks about what to ask Larry and she was sending me links to songs and tidbits of trivia to ask him and to bring up in the in the interview. And I was really, really, really hoping that I could get that part two, just another 30 minutes to go a little deeper on his solo career. And it never materialized. And so I'm sorry, Amber, but thank you for participating anyway. I will tell you, our good friend Noel Fogelman of Reliving My Youth, he had Larry on about a month or two ago, and they had a very big, they had a long, in-depth conversation about his solo career. Uh, Noel went to college in Buffalo, uh, knew him very well because of the proximity to Canada. So if you want to know more about Larry, go check out uh, Reliving My Youth from two months ago. Anyway, great interview. All right, thanks everybody. We will see you next week. Runways of ageless beauty queen
Barbies yellow Lipstick and cheekbones by the book She'll never leave you wanting Lipstick and cheap phone.